0: Do you want to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God? Do you want to be encouraged and strengthened to
1: live it out boldly and effectively in your life? Welcome to the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast, a podcast where women meet together to model and grow in Christ through the Word of God, as it says in Hebrews 10.25, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are so glad
0: you are taking the time to be with us. So get ready. Now here's your co-hosts,
1: Brooke Barts and Erin Coates, to talk, strengthen, build up, come alongside, and encourage you as women to live life verse by verse. Well, welcome to the Open Hearts Podcast, ladies. I am so excited that you are joining us once again. Uh, my name is Brooke Barts, and I'm with my co-host, Erin Coates. And it's been a while since we've been able to meet it feels like that and it's actually snowing in texas erin what's it like in canada snowing i'm sure right
0: yeah it's been snowing the last couple days we've been hitting like minus 30 minus 20 but then it's supposed to go up to like five degrees tomorrow which in your weather i can't remember how much that is like like 40 maybe i don't know (laughs) i don't know i don't know how to do your weather
1: Well, we are bundled up in 32 degrees for us. Like that is really cold. And so, um, I don't know what we would do in negative degrees. Brad puts on a coat on Clara. If it's like 65 or 70s, like get a coat on it's cold outside. So this has been really, you know, when we get weather like this, it's, it's very different. So we have a fire going and, and so anyways, but we haven't got to talk to the ladies in a long time. You know, there's been a lot of changes in your life and my life, I was sick for a long time. Um, I know lots of people have been sick. And so um, this is a, a good time to get back together with the ladies, especially with everything that's been going on in your country. So I wanted you to give us an update on what's going on in Canada, how church, how we can pray for you, how we can pray for James and just um, and what you've seen, what you've seen is a testimony to Christ and his faithfulness and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, there's a trucker convoy right now in our nation's capital at Parliament Hill, and they are protesting the mandates. So truckers from all over Canada and even some from the United States have come to put pressure on our government to end the mandates because the mandates are they're awful. And mostly it's um, the vaccine mandates. Um, and so these are not anti-vaxxers. These are vaccinated and unvaccinated alike coming together and saying, it's not okay for your government and even for Biden to be able to put these restrictions on truckers coming over the border that they have to be vaccinated. These men sit in their trucks, don't really talk to anybody (laughs) and then deliver us food. And so, um, that was like the, the last straw for them was the, the, vaccine mandates. So not only do they want just the vaccine mandates lifted, they want all restrictions lifted. And so now the pressure is being put on individual provinces and their premiers to lift it. And Jason Kenney is being Jason Kenney and is saying, you know, we'll talk next week about raising the restrictions and stopping the vaccine passports and all of that, um, which is just him being political. And uh, we have... I heard of so many guys that are faithful pastors, faithful evangelists that are in and amongst the, the um, trucker convoy. And what we're seeing right now is like a unity with our country. Um, but one of the things that we have to be really careful about is that this is not a unity in Christ. There are people from all walks of life and religions and everything that are down there. And so we have guys with boots on the ground that are preaching the gospel that are telling them, you know, you need to repent and believe in Christ and have true hope. Um, so I'm really, really happy about that. I wish I could be there in Ottawa. Um, and so we just have to be really careful, I think, as, as believers, um, to make sure that we are not, um, you know, this isn't just about a temporal civil liberty, you know, it's about liberty in Christ. And I actually watched one gentleman yesterday in the States that was talking about how, um, Christians should not be supporting this convoy because there's obviously like false teachers that have grabbed a hold of it and Um, he doesn't think the gospel is being preached and that we, Paul never, ever preached against the government that he obeyed the, um, government and and the Roman empire. And I'm like, well, this is not an empire. First of all, this is a democracy and Canadians are not disobeying the government. They're actually, um, carrying out their, um, their civil right, which is written into our charter, and that one of the ways that a democracy moves and how we keep our government accountable is through protesting. So it's actually written in our charter of rights and freedoms. Um, So these guys are doing exactly what they should be doing and protesting and showing, hey, you guys actually Uh, what you thought was the fringe minority is actually the majority. And that's how we move and sway our government so that we don't move into um, uh, a dictatorship or basic communism or socialism or whatever. Um, So I had to disagree with him on that because he was just saying like, because this isn't a spiritual movement, it's not of God, but we as believers um, can never separate what's happening from the gospel, but we do need to be fighting for people's basic liberties like god commands people to work and if you don't work you don't eat well one of the reasons we need these mandates lifted is because we want people to be able to carry out the the grace the the common grace of god that he's given to people to work and to eat and to provide you know so um and then what's what he wants us to do is essentially be silent because it's not a gospel issue and you're thinking but you know people are dying and, and, you know, the, the suicide rate has gone up exponentially. Um, child exploitation, pornography, child trafficking has raised 80% in Canada. And that was last year. So I bet the number is even higher. Spousal abuse has raised. Um, mental illness and suicide in children. You know, there's a whole thing with mental illness. I'm talking about like um, children not knowing how to handle what's going on. And they call that mental illness. Um, so yeah, I, we are, we are 100% behind the trucker convoy. We are not behind any violent activity. We are not behind giving um, credence to any kind of sinful behavior that's happening, any law breaking that's happening. That is not okay with us, but we have to take a stand um, for our love of our neighbor, for them to be able to like live in the image of God and, and what he's given just as common graces. So um, I can't, I can't by my conscience, allow like this to keep happening. Like we're just supposed to sit by while our government actually is killing people. And like, what's happening in the hospitals while they lie. Like it's so hard. I can't, I can't, I'm not, I can't live by a lie. (laughs) So we, we stand behind that, but obviously we want to separate and distance ourselves from people who are teaching a false gospel or, are saying all roads lead to heaven? Like that's not that's not okay. But with any movement, you're gonna see just um, people grab a hold of it and use it for their own agenda. But it doesn't mean it's not from the Lord. So does that mean that the World War II wasn't from the Lord and freeing the Jews and and breaking communism free the world free from communism and a takeover or any war the Civil War, um, any of that that would, that would be wrong. I, I'm guessing in this gentleman's site. So yeah, we we need to take a stand. So that's kind of what has been happening. Uh, we, we obviously want to see churches open. We want to see them drop the sinful vaccine mandates that they're placing on their people, violation of James two impartiality. Um, people need to be free to worship the Lord. Um, but yeah, pray for us because we have so many people coming to our church <laughs> and, uh, and with that is a lot of people who are realizing a, they weren't saved to begin with, and so they're hearing the gospel and they're hearing the truth at Grace Life, and they get saved. Or B, they've just been in such an unsound church for so long, they don't know how to handle their heart. And so we re- we really just need prayer that we are we're shorthanded, first of all, so that you know the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That we can just properly love and care for people that need counsel, need discipleship. Um, yeah, and that our guys would properly take care of that. So that's that's kind of where we're at right now.
1: And that's really true. I think that what has happened with the trucker convoy and it's going to kind of leads into what we're talking about, the verses we're talking about, um, about having a sincere faith, a clear conscience. You can't go against your conscience, like you said. Um, And it's it's a it's it's also a living testimony. You know what James did when he went to prison um, was he was faithful like Paul was. And Paul is speaking to young Timothy, encouraging him to continue to fan this flame and hold this torch. And I think that's what this movement has done. You know, what James did was the first act of an individual who was in the sight of the government on TV broadcasted, who stood up to tyranny, stood up to the government for keeping the church open as a Christian, as a believer, which were called to corporately assemble in church, we're called to practice one another, to so be together. And so James was within every right, obviously, to keep the church open. And it's not a coincidence. You know, all of it with the vaccine, with the mandate, you know, there's, there is an agenda with all of these things. And there is this persecution of believers in this standing up for our rights and so as believers when we see this convoy when we see these truckers who don't know the lord but are standing for their liberties their civil liberties their rights we also need to understand that we have rights we can stand up for our liberties and that was just a boost i think for them by what they saw through james and um I think that's just a living testimony of who you guys are. And honestly, I'll go a little bit further. And this may be somebody might be like, I do not see that. But I believe in America, what it did was it gave people strength in numbers to say, you know what, we're not alone. Canada is fighting. Here's these poor truckers, these men that are, you know, this is their livelihood. And then we see in New York, these police officers, you know, just line the street. And of course, you know, the mainstream media doesn't want us to see that it only portrays what it shows. But um, it was a sea, it was a sea of black and blue as far as you could see all the way down the road. You know, of course they got the numbers wrong. They're like thousands, you know, and um, it's just a way for us to be able to stand up and protest our tr- the truths and the liberties that we have. And there's nothing wrong, like you said, with protesting. And as far as what you said about wars, we know wars have gone on from the beginning of time. And so God ordains, I mean, he called men to go and slay other men. You know, I mean, wars are that he is the Lord of the chariots, the Lord of the armies, and he is the one that ordains those things. And so there's nothing wrong with being able to protest rightfully, peacefully in anything we do. And as believers, we need to continue to stand up. I think the more that we stand up as a world, I think the more pressure it puts on countries like Canada to just kind of back off because it shows that you're not alone. And as believers, we need to all stand when you hear other believers who are putting down, um, you know, gospel coalition has made it very clear that they don't stand on the same of Canada, that they don't stand on the same side that you guys do that they should. If you love your neighbor, you wear a mask, you close your church, you know, and, what this does for believers is shows them that the sovereignty of God and the importance of meeting corporately takes a backseat to people's fears and people's opinions, because it's not scriptural. And we need to know that keeping the doors open of church is we are commanded to be in church. And so um, I think that it's just a living testimony of who you and James are. And I think it's really sparked a lot of, um, faith in believers to keep standing strong. And I think it's definitely put your country on display to where they see with these truckers that, hey, we can stand up for our rights too. you know. And I love that you said there's boots to the ground, that they're sharing the gospel constantly, because it is about Christ. Ultimately, it's not about our civil liberties. It is about Christ and this is not our home. And for these people, this is their livelihood. But for us, it, it continues in eternity. And that's the most important thing. If they fought their whole life for just civil liberty and then in the end go to hell, that's not that's not what we want. We want them to know the gospel. And so I love your heart behind that. So um, so we want to say thank you to. Um, AGTV and Brandon Kimber for allowing um, this podcast open hearts podcast to be on his program. We also want to thank the bar network like we do every time for Dwayne Atkinson, and um, the men and women there um, that have so many strong podcasts that are preaching Christ crucified getting the truth out, um, biblical and reformed bar network, which I think speaks highly of all the people that are on that pod, all the different podcasts. So, um, we're thankful to be part of that. We're thankful that the Lord allows us to continue to meet that. I get to see Aaron's face, um, the way this world is guys just keep praying for provision and protection for her church. And for James, as he shepherds his flock faithfully with the word of truth, Standing up against now LGBTQ, we've got so many things as believers, and we need to make sure we're united around the gospel and what the words of truth say. Because otherwise, there is a fear that can creep in to believers, and a doubt and an anxiousness. And so, we need to rest on the truths of the Word of God and, and pastors preaching those truths, like James, we're so thankful for. So, continue to pray for Aaron. Well, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get started um, with this podcast. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you are a sovereign, good God, that, Father, before time you ordained who you would call to yourself to be your children, and then, Lord, you have given us these lives to live out in glory for your name, that your name would be renowned, Father, that you would receive all the glory, that our lives would be a a living testimony, that we would be poured out like drink, drink offerings, that we would be willing to Lord, walk the faith that you've given us to be strengthened in it, to hold fast to it. As we see Paul encourage young Timothy in these verses that we've studied, Father, may they give us comfort. May they give us, um, Father, a, a clear conscience, a sincere faith. May we echo that, what Paul Preaches and teaches and, and shares and spills out through words to young Timothy. May our hearts be united to take these truths to be transformed by scripture so that we can indeed be living testimonies for your glory. I pray you continue to be with Father Aaron and James, their church, for all the pastors standing strong in Canada, for the trucker convoy, Lord, that the gospel would be preached to these men and these women that are in this movement, that you would hold us fast through your word, Lord and that we would continue to remain steadfast even under the thumb of persecution that we are facing as believers in this world. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. So our verses for um, today are 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 5, and I'm going to read them for us. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. So um, what we can learn from these first verses as we start is that, um, and what I want to first start out saying is that this is not an unfamiliar tone or letter to Timothy. We have seen this before because Paul has encouraged Timothy in a similar situation in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. He tells Timothy in Ephesians 4.1, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. So we see that Paul is continuing to live in his faith, live it out before Timothy, again imprisoned. He's not shirking away. He's not, um, you know, saying, poor me, woe is me. He is fanning the flame for Timothy And so I think that should be an encouragement to us. And that's what I wanted to start out with even before is that this is familiar to Timothy. This is not something that Paul is doing for the first time. He is seasoned in pain and trials and sufferings as Timothy is as well, because he's been with him on these missionary journeys. And what an encouragement to us to be able to see that Paul does have a sincere faith And, you know, he can write this letter with um, firm affirmation, knowing he's run the race well, and it's his charge to Timothy. And it's also his charge to us. I believe in this time we can glean so much from that truth. Um, We may not be missionaries. Some people that may be listening to this or watching this are, um, but we are called in a missionary sense of that we're in a foreign country, you know, with a tribe of um, people that have not heard the gospel yet in a remote island but we are called to be faithful to the gospel, faithful to the truths of Christ as missionaries for the gospel, because we were given the great commission to go out as Christ's disciples. And so we can do that in the midst of suffering and persecution. And Paul reminds us that, that he's doing this as he's facing imminent death. He's writing to Timothy, telling him, you know, you the, these things that we're going to, to talk about. And so I just think that that's what's so good for us to hear in these in these three verses, um, three, four, and five. That um, that Paul is not alone in this. He's writing to Timothy, and Timothy as well is holding fast to this. So, do you want to add anything just to start out with that, and then we'll go through the verse? I was just encouraged by you and James, and it makes me just see the faithfulness lived out. And so, um, I want other women that are listening to this to know that we're called as well to hold to the truths and to be faithful as missionaries, wherever God has us for the gospel. So, (laughs) okay. So, um, so we thought we start out by saying, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience. So what do you, what do you want to say to that, Erin? I think one of the
0: biggest things is, uh, you see Paul thanking the Lord. And so here he is in a dark and dank dungeon and you see his heart that he is living out first Thessalonians five and giving thanks to the Lord. Um, and that, that was something that Paul was so good at that no matter what situation he was in, he always found something to be thankful for. And, uh, and so obviously he's starting out, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience. So he's thanking the Lord, um, that he's, he's in this situation that he has a clear conscience, um, and that he can faithfully say like, I- I've, I've lived faithfully. And so that really just resonated with my heart. Cause there's so much darkness happening in the world right now. And so much oppression and, um, such a battle for the truth. It's like, am I, am I being thankful Am I seeing all of the things that I can be thankful for, even in a dark hour? There's always something to be thankful for. You know, I can be thankful for my critics because um, if I just had a bunch of yes men standing around me, like how arrogant and prideful would I be? But when you have people who are attacking you for standing on the truth, that teaches you. Um, Self control. It teaches you to love people who don't think the same way as you. Um, it, it, it's just a, a source of constant sanctification. So there's a reason to give thanks in everything. And, you know, I think about young moms in the throes of child rearing and with young babies that there is, it's hard, you know, sleepless nights and um, children that you're training. And sometimes you wake up. And the only thing you do for a day is just discipline your kids like that's all you do. But there's always something to be thankful for. And I think that Paul is such an example here. That is he's sitting in prison. He's facing his death. He's been mistreated and beaten. He misses Timothy. Um, He's thankful. He's thankful to the Lord. Uh, So that was such a, um, you know, a, a good admonition to my own heart to be thankful in spite of our circumstances, because it's not our, every, there's something the Lord's going to teach us about himself and everything. And so we can be thankful no matter how difficult it is. So that, that just challenged me.
1: Yeah. And it's continual, you know, being continual act of worship, and it's not just in the good times, it's in the really, really hard times. And Paul reminds us reminds us of that. And so I think that's Really good. You know, do we thank God we're in the midst of darkness, suffering, disease, or are we only worshiping God in the good? You know, Paul is a prime example that you can give thanks to the Lord in every circumstance, like you said. Um, you know, I also think when Paul is speaking to Timothy, he is such an effective witness for what it looks like to thank God in the midst of trials. And um, we're refined by our trials. We're made like Christ in our, chi- in our trials, and so we need to have a deep seated thankfulness for God for our salvation, knowing He's sovereign, knowing that in every situation He places us in, He is teaching us, He's refining us, He's growing us, He's strengthening us, He's um, allowing things to um, to hurt us even at times. I mean, Paul was hurt by being put in prison um, and being, you know. Um, left some the men that left him that kind of abandoned him you know that hurt but you don't see him sitting and sulking on that instead he is praising god and saying i thank god continuously for young timothy and that needs to be our heart like you said the young moms those that are sick suffering we continually need to be able to look to what the lord is doing and find his sovereignty in our suffering and know that he's good and that he's with us in our trials and Paul's just such a great example of that so he's showing young timothy that he can endure and it's for us too when we endure disease illness seeing someone you love chronic pain the effects of a virus like covid unbelieving spouse rebellious or unsafe child um, persecution from government vaccine vaccine cards the world's pressures it just goes on and on. And so we can be like Paul and Timothy and hold the line. And these are the Lord's words. You know, this is not a story. This is not a man who's writing on his own initiative. He is under the guise of the Holy Spirit who's speaking through him. And so that tells us that Christ calls us as well through his word to be transformed by it. And these words transform our hearts, they take us back to what's going on. And we're living that out here as well. So, um, we need to remember the earth is the Lord's as it says in Psalm 24 and, um, whether people acknowledge him or not, God is on the throne. He's over everything. And Paul is so thankful to know that the Lord is the one who has ordained his life and he's run it well. So yeah, we need to give thanks to Paul, like Paul in all circumstances that makes us an effective witness for the gospel. So, um, he's thanking God for the memory and faithfulness of young Timothy as well. This is a a continual thing with these two. He's always thinking of others, even in his pain. He's always uh, urging others to defend the truth, even in agony and pain. And this should bolster our faith, you know, to see it lived out like James and like Tim Stevens, like the Lord continues to use faithful men in the midst of pain and suffering And that's what Paul and Timothy are examples of and James and Tim were. And so, yeah, I think that's really, really good to, to think about, like you said, um, the moms and the throes of what are the throes of our pain and our suffering and darkness. We can continually give thanks. So, yeah. So what is a, what is a clear conscience? Erin, what do you. (laughs) Just before we go there,
0: uh, just the the note on. Not only was Paul an encouragement to Timothy, Timothy was an encouragement to Paul. Paul's looking at Timothy going, I'm giving thanks to God constantly as I remember you. So he's probably replaying, you know, what the Lord has done in and through Timothy. And we see that in him, like replaying his life through his grandmother and his mother. Um, But how much in, in this dark age is encouragement so important. So, you know, ladies, if you are an older lady in your church, encourage the younger women, encourage them in the throes of, of looking after these young babies and, and loving their husbands. And, um, just make sure that we're encouraging people because you don't, you just don't know how far encouragement goes. And, and it's so important in such a dark hour. And it helps us to think of others and not ourselves. Right. Um, When we want to encourage just what we are seeing the Lord do in someone's heart. Um, I know it's just so uplifting for me when I hear stories about what the Lord has done, especially through James going to prison, you know, because that was that was a sacrifice for him. So to hear that people are coming to Christ or being sanctified, there's a mass exodus out of the charismatic and Pentecostal churches. Um, that stuff is so exciting to us and encourages us to keep going, you know, um, so not taking that, uh, not taking encouragement for, for granted and, and that we have to, um, what's the verse in, it? In, in First Thessalonians, encourage the faint hearted, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help that we can be patient with all, right? And so there's, we have to be wise in how we figure out what somebody is going through, but um, encouraging them. I think is a big part of the Christian life, and we all need it. And Paul needed it. Paul needed Timothy's encouragement as he faced death, and that's the Lord working through people, right? So that's not like the human thing. That is that is the Lord loving you through His people, and so you just want to be used by God in that way to encourage. Um, so, what is a clear conscience? Well, um, we can talk about what, what what's a conscience. Period. Well, mm-hmm. I just need to find my notes. <laughs> um, the conscience is, is so hugely important. The conscience is our warning system. Um, much like our pain is a warning system that, you know, you, you're going to continue to hurt yourself. If you put your hand on a burner, you feel pain for you to remove your hand or you're going to cause permanent damage. And, uh, the Lord has given us a conscience so that we, we know when we are sinning against him, we know when we are about to engage in something that we shouldn't or that we have engaged in something that we shouldn't. So having a clear conscience is, and you'll know this, whenever you go to pray and and you can't get past Father because he will bring up something that you've done. Like all of a sudden a conversation with somebody will come to mind and you just can't get away with it. That's the Lord saying to you, like, make this right. Confess your sin. Um, and so you know when your conscience has been violated. That warning system goes off. Um, Jonathan Edwards made seventy resolutions. Really, he made those resolutions to keep his his mind and his conscience sharp, so that he could live the spiritual life to the best of his ability in the spirit and glorify God. Um, so, what pain is to the body, the conscience is to the spiritual life. It is that warning system that you do not want to ignore. And one of the stories that uh, MacArthur gives, I think it's in The Vanishing Conscience, um, was this, this airplane pilot had like hit a mountain <laughs> and, and it exploded. And so he was driving, I guess there was clouds or something like that. And um, the warning system starts to go off, like pull up, pull up. And he, the last thing they hear on the recording after the plane had um, blown up and he had died was he had told the system to shut up. So he said, shut up, Ringo. Um, But that was the warning system saying, pull up, pull up, like stop what you're doing, pull up. And that is our conscience. That's how our conscience um, works. And um, so you just know if there's sin, the Lord is bringing up in your heart. That's your conscience. That's your warning system. And really we live in a world today where stuff like modern psychology um modern uh psychiatric care all of the mental illness stuff that is put out there is actually meant to override your conscience because you don't actually have a sin problem you just have a problem with your mind or you have a generational problem or you know you can't help this you have a syndrome um, and all of those things, modern psychology, uh, you know, is put in place by guys like Freud, who hated the Lord and wanted an out uh, to, so that your conscience is dulled. Well, I don't actually have to deal with this problem. I can just call it a syndrome, and then I'm labeled as this, and then I don't ever have to lean on the Lord for forgiveness for the things that I, that I do. I'm not accountable for them. Um, so really, that's what a having a, a sensitive conscience is is the Lord's warning system to us. And we have to pay very good attention to it. It's not infallible. Um, so your, your conscience has to be fully informed by the word of God. It can be misinformed. Um, and that's why we are to constantly be washing ourselves in the word is so that we have a, an informed conscience by the word.
1: Yeah. And we don't have an excuse. It tells us in Romans two, 14 and 15, it's written on their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or defending. So that tells us right there that the conscience accuses, it defends, and it testifies to our soul. It's our actions and motives, and those accuse or defend. And so we also know, I thought this was fascinating, as I was doing research there, the Holy Spirit is involved. Um, the verse says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit. And so we are given our conscience and it bears witness in the Holy Spirit. And so that warning system is not me thinking with emotions, oh, I shouldn't, it's, it's from the Lord and it's from the Holy Spirit. And the more we train our consciences, by reading the word by intaking scripture by prayer by um, staying away from sin walking the narrow path the more obviously our our aware warning system will get stronger you know it's going to see it even before we get close in that plane that's about to weep from far off can go oh my goodness something is on. pull up not right when we're close to we pull up the more we inform our conscience we have a great warning system. And the more that we train it, the more we're warned way before anything is about to happen. I don't want to be the one that's, Oh, that's about to happen. And then it's too late. We should be informing and training our conscience. You know, it's described in Isaiah 30, 21 to this is the way we walk in it, a straight path, a pure heart. It teaches you about everything. 1 John 2, 27 and so also our conscience puts others to shame because when you have a good conscience, it produces good behavior. And we know that people will slander us from that. It tells us that in first Peter three sixteen. So our conscience is not, it's, it's a warning system that's informed and we have no excuse. The word of God tells us that it's written in our hearts. And even those who are not believers, the law is written on their hearts. Therefore they cannot, it accuses or it defends them. And so we need to train our conscience and the way we train it is through the word of God. And this is a really pretty, pretty verse. I really love this verse. It says, for our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially towards you. Second Corinthians 1:12. And then Paul in Acts, says, Paul looking intently at the council said, brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Aeneas commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Even when Paul is before these men who are accusing him, he can stand and say, no, I have a clear conscience. And not only that, I know that I'm about to be either put in prison or struck or killed or, you know, persecuted. And Paul still can say, no, I've lived my life with a perfectly good conscience. Um, And so we want to be able to live our lives with a sincere and a good conscience like Paul does. So um, I think that's what's I think that is important to understand about the conscience is that we don't have an excuse. It is our warning system, like you said, pull up for sure. So um, and you should be afraid to violate it.
0: You should be you should the fear of God should be in your heart that if you override your conscience, you are in a dangerous place Um, because what happens with a conscience that has been violated and disregarded and um, has engaged in sin without repentance is that uh, your heart will become hard towards the Lord. And I don't think that there's anything more scary to me than my heart (laughs) hardening towards the Lord. And so one of the prayers that you can just pray is that the Lord would give you a clear and tender conscience to his way. um, And that if you have sinned against him and your conscience is violated, and you are in Christ, you need to confess that sin, turn from that sin and repent of it um, and be restored to the Lord. And, and uh, so that you can experience that, that fellowship with, with Christ and the father and the spirit. Um, And being aware that having other people override their conscience is intensely sinful. Like Paul would have rather have given up meat, like, like, I have to be willing to give up bacon if it makes somebody struggle. And if you know me, you know, I love bacon. Um, So that, that having somebody violate their conscience is it's sin. You know, I, I heard a message. Somebody ended up getting vaccinated and the comment towards this, this person was, you know, the government has caused them to override their conscience in getting a vaccine. And i was like then they should have never gotten the vaccine because if the government is causing you to override your conscience you have sinned overriding your conscience is sin um and so you can't just be like well this person is making me do it and i think that it's wrong um this is wrong for me to do this this is sinful for me to do this but i have to do it because the government's forcing me to do it you have just sinned. you have sinned against your conscience um and so you have, we just have to be really careful of that. And, and the Lord is so kind um, when you are guilty, when you have that guilt, that guilt is your warning system. Guilt is a good thing. Guilt is meant when you have sinned for you to come into the presence of God and confess your sin. That's why you feel guilty. And you can offload that on Christ because he was our guilt offering and that, um, he will forgive us of our sin when we confess it. And so if you have a guilty conscience, are you guilty of anything today? Is there anything that's stinging your conscience? Is there any relationship that keeps popping up that you can't get out of your mind? That's there for you to make it right, to confess your sin. Um, so that would be just a big question. Is there anything that that's stinging that you need to deal with, deal with it. Don't wait to deal with it.
1: (laughs) And and he talks about four different degrees of that. Like you said, you know, the first is when we sin against our The second is when we are going to sin against our conscience and someone has come God that's godly and has told us don't do this. There's warning. So there's that. So there's not only our conscience, but there's godly people as well, warning us. The third is when we knowingly premeditatedly do it to ourselves, meaning I'm planning this sin and I know it's against my conscience. And the fourth one is when we do that to someone else like Haman and the gallows with the gallows and those things. And so we have a conscience not only to, you know, be informed of ourselves, but also to protect others as well. Because when we sin against others, when we go against our conscience, we can cause them to stumble as well, like you said. And so we have to know that there are degrees of that in that if you know that you're willingly going against your conscience, you've been warned by other people, you've been warned by scripture, you know, you're doing it. And then you plottingly do it. That's a conscience that's becoming more and more seared that can lead to those things. That's Vengeful and 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 angry towards others and plotting to hurt them as well. And so I thought that was interesting when I was reading about the conscience, the way it informs us in different ways, and the different degrees to what that plays out in. So, um, so we know that um, to have a sincere conscience is to love, because it says love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, and that um, when we have a heart that's pure. And sincere, a clear conscience, and naturally we're going to love the brethren. And the opposite of loving brethren is to, you know, to love idols, to love the world. And that in itself leads to not obeying our. And so um we want to make sure that we have a good conscience, like it says in First Peter 3:16, that we're When we're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And that's what Paul exhibited for us, not only in prison right now, where where we're reading about, but, you know, when he was struck um, for saying that he had a clear conscience. So it's a pure in the light of God's word. It's not muddled. Um, and we should want to have a heart that is regenerated by the gospel to faithfully walk in an obedient way and the way we do this is through our conscience being formed by scripture um, when it's not like Aaron said we're, we're seared we're burned we're indifferent we're hardened we're compromised we have to train our conscience and ladies you need to think about this in your life how are you training your conscience is it are you reading things from the world are you participating and trying your decisions based on what your, your emotions or what you're seeing, which is clearly so much of it is mainstream media, which isn't even true. Don't let things that are not of Christ inform your conscience. And the only way you can do that is prayer. And like Aaron said, when you go to pray and you say, father, and all these things pop up, you've got to acknowledge that that is your conscience and you've got to make those right before the Lord. And so um we need to have a blameless conscience as it calls us um before christ and we know that we're going to sin we know that um but wow if we have a warning system Let's use it because that's going to keep us from a lot of those knowing sins that we know we don't need to be, we need to be, um, participating in. And so we need to be pure with our children, our husband, our coworkers, people at church before the Lord in our conscience. So I think that's really, really good. So, um, so moving on, as it says in, um, we're in second Timothy, the next verse, is there anything else you want to add to, um, our verse, Aaron, anything else? Um, I'll read it and if there's anything else like you want to add um to uh the verse. So it says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. So we talked about those things. If there's anything else you want to add, um, and then we move on to verse five, which is another great deep verse we can ponder and think through and meditate on. It says, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. So what do you want to say about um, mindful, the sincere faith within you? What do you you think about that?
0: Yeah. um, Just to go back to um, the verses just before that is just looking at the exemplary life of Paul in, in that he's praying. Um, Mm. and that he, this man was always praying. Like when I, when I hear people say that Paul was misogynistic and he's cold, I am just like, what Bible are you honestly reading? This man is so full of affection, so full of, um, like agape love, but phileo love, like that brotherly affection. Um, he is longing for God's people. He is Always praying for them, like when you, no doubt, when he writes an epistle, a letter, um, there's something in there that he's praying for, for wisdom, for grace, that they would have a knowledge of God. Like he's genuinely concerned about their welfare, um, and so that's something that. It, Paul has always been an example to me of he was constantly filling his heart not only with Christ, but what was going on in the churches that he was ministering to. and how could he be praying for them? And some of the prayers were specific and some of them were general. Um, so he's just always been an example to me of of a prayer warrior, if that's what you want to call it, um that he he Paul didn't really seem he's kind of like the female version of Paul to me is Susan Heck. <laughs> And cause I I really just saying to her one time, you know, Susan, I feel like you just don't have any idle moments in your life. And she said, you know, Aaron, I really don't. And I was just like, (laughs) this woman is always um, praying for you or memorizing scripture or studying the word or counseling. Like she's just filling her heart with God's word and then letting that pour out to other people in prayer and service. Um, And so, yeah, really just, looking at his prayer life, which cultivated this heart obviously for Timothy, where he was longing to see him. And and I have a little bit of a taste of that, not being able to make it to Florida and being able to see the people who have loved us so well and have served us so well. And, and even you, you know, like being able to hold your face, not just like see it on a video, like longing to see you face to face. Um, so Paul has just always been an example to me of a fervent love for the body, which is most evidently seen in his prayer life for, for God's people. And that he just truly, truly cared for them and uh so i hope that that is you ladies um that what are you doing to cultivate your prayer life and i I have a lot of women that just come to me like i don't know how to pray well you can take god's word and you can read god's word so you can you can say this um like i thank god whom i serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did father um thank you, first of all, for all of the circumstances that you have put in my life. I so long to serve you with a clear conscience. Please give me that clear conscience. Please help me to develop that clear conscience. And so you just learn to take God's word and pray it back to him and use that as your foundation. And you can use all of God's word for that. Paul is mindful of the sincere faith that was in Timothy. So this was a real and genuine faith that he saw in timothy i mean timothy was a young man when he like 16 or 17 when he first encountered him in acts and took him on his ministry journey so he was frequently with timothy so he knew timothy's heart he knew timothy's life and uh yeah it's just this was a sincere this was a, a real um faith sincere means in an unfraid and framed it's heartfelt it's genuine it's without hypocrisy Um, so Timothy wasn't just playing the part. He was a genuine believer and Paul knew that about him. And so he is just, um, encouraging him that I see that regeneration has taken place in your heart. The sincere faith is without hypocrisy. Um, and so he was just really encouraging him in that area that that your faith is genuine, Timothy, that you're struggling in these areas. You're, You're, you're a little bit fearful in these areas, but your faith is real. So let's change that. Let's Let's please the Lord. So.
1: And his faith is held out. You know, Paul's watched how many men, you know, um just abandon him while he's in, you know, and we learn further about who those men are. But he can honestly say that he's mindful because with Timothy, he's recalling all the memories, how Timothy has stayed faithful, like you said, in the throes of persecution to, you know, and it says even in Second Corinthians 6, 4 through 6, writing to the church at Corinth, Paul describes himself and other servants of God as those who carry out their office in much endurance, in affliction and hardships and distresses and beatings, imprisonments and tumults and labors and sleeplessness and hunger and purity and knowledge and patience and kindness and the Holy Spirit and genuine love. And I think that's who Paul is. And I think that is the mindfulness that he also thinks of on young Timothy because Timothy has exhibited these things. And even though Timothy is, you know, he's, he's frail and he's kind of, he's kind of, you know, not in, I don't want to say in over his head, but he's, he's, he's having to really kind of think through these things. He's kind of growing faint hearted and and Paul is a, is coming alongside and saying, "No, I'm mindful of the sincere faith that you have, the genuine faith, the love without hypocrisy. You're not a hypocrite. You're not playing the part. You've proven faithful. Um, you know. And, and there have been those that de- deserted him. In Second Timothy 1:15, by Philegus and Hermogenes, they have deserted him. And Timothy is not that one. And he chooses to write this letter to Timothy to express his heartfelt love and to spur Timothy on, but also do remember I'm mindful of your sincere faith. And I was thinking about this with my daughter and I was thinking about moms and I thought, you know, as we are training our children, as we are shepherding them through the word, we have to understand that our faith needs to be sincere. And I should be able to recall the examples of my life to where I have been sincere in my faith, am I loving without hypocrisy? Am I making sure to have a clear conscience? Am I making sure to do what I say, You know, do as I say, not as I do, am I doing those things? Am I walking the walk and am I influencing my children in that way because I have a pure conscience and because I have a sincere faith, a genuine faith? How many times do we see people that it's lip service And if you're not doing those things behind closed doors, that will exasperate your children because in all all ways, you are not representing Christ to them. And so in all ways, I think it's a good reminder to us to be mindful. Do we have sincere faith? And are we living that out in these times with love and standing up and not being ashamed of the gospel the way that Paul and Timothy were? We need to be constantly aware. Are we having a sincere faith? Is it genuine? And, um, you know, it says in 1 Peter one twenty two: since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. That is love without hypocrisy. That is like Aaron said, who Paul is, how he loves. He's always um, encouraging and And inspiring to churches and loving them and wanting to go meet with them and train them and teach these men to be pastors and shepherds. And so definitely authentic, genuine faith is what Paul has and what Timothy exhibits. And that's why he tells him, I'm mindful of your sincere faith. It wasn't a one-time thing. You didn't leave me. You're still here. You're still trucking along. And we need to remember that even in when we're going through sufferings or trials We're going to have hard times, ladies. You're going to have trials and you're going to have losses and things that can really rip at your soul. But remember, if you're in Christ, your faith is sincere and be mindful to continue that faith with those you love and make sure that you're loving in a sincere way and you're holding to the truths of having a sincere faith and exhibiting that in Christ. So um, what do you... What do you want to add about, um, this is kind of where we get to, I think more the application to part with which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois and your mother, Eunice. So what do you want to say about that?
0: (laughs) Um, there's probably a lot to say about it. So, um, first of all, Timothy's grandmother, you see her get saved and then she's passed that down to her daughter. And now her daughter has passed that down to her son. And her son has been an influential person in, in establishing the churches, the early apostolic churches. He's an apostolic delegate. He, he's Paul's closest, um, the, the one who is of most kindred spirit, he says about him in Philippians. I'm no one who is of kindred spirit that will um, have concern about the churches like I do. And so their faith. Um, so don't ever underestimate the faith of a mother. Um, and your influence on your children and, and what that says to them, um, because either like the Lord can use you, um, to convict faithfully living out, um, who you are in front of your children and that. Um, you're the ones who spend the most time with your children and if you're raising young men you are you are raising hopefully lord willing that will be the generation that leads the church and leads it in faithfulness um and raising young women to love the lord and to please him in whatever sphere he puts them in whether it's single whether it's married whether it's mother um there it's just it's huge and i think we see a big testimony of faithful women in the scriptures um and obviously Uh, one of the questions is who, who is a woman in in scripture that has influenced you the most? And I think it's Mary. (laughs) Uh, She was just so faithful, even though she didn't have a full picture of what was going on. And at some times it was clouded and sometimes she messed up. Um, She was chosen to, to be the one who raised the Lord, and so she has always just spoken to me as a faithful um, person who who needed Christ as her Redeemer. She was not immaculate; she was not perfect at all, and we see that in moments where she attempts to correct the Lord twice, and he he graciously puts her back in her place. But um, she's just a faithful mother to me, you know, and and that's so important. Don't ever ever, ever underestimate um, who you are as a mom. And if you, if you are not married and you do not have your own children, don't underestimate the the, the spiritual motherhood that God has given you in fulfilling the Titus to ministry. That, that is significant. I, you know, for women, there's no greater ministry that can be carried on in the church is for you to be a spiritual mother and to be teaching these women scripture and to be teaching them how to live holy lives. Um, and so that's something that's just obviously so clear, um, from Timothy's, mother and grandmother. Cause we know Timothy's dad was a Greek. He was likely an unbeliever. And so she was an example to him and likely the one who brought him to faith. And what I love about this is, um, is that what Timothy's grandmother and mother would have taught him was the old Testament. Cause they didn't have the new Testament. So Timothy came to saving faith through the Old Testament, which is you just see the the sufficiency of the Old Testament to bring people um to faith. So I love that too. But um
1: I might have more as we talk about it, but I think that's all for the second. <laughs> so um it says that it's in, it dwelt in Lois and it dwelt in Eunice. And I think about that because um when something dwells, it abides, it's deep resonated within them. And so they are we living like that are the scriptures deep within us to where we're able to train our children by them. We can't train our children by the scriptures if they're not deep within us. And we can't look to being able to have a godly generation passed down if we're not training. It is the work of the Lord to save. We know that. But we are still called to be faithful, to train our children in the ways of the Lord. Um, When we rise, when we sit down on on our doorposts, all of those things are the house. All of those things refer to being the home. And if you look at a mother, if you look at um, a woman, her influence um, to should always be that it dwells, the faith dwells as mothers. It should be in your home. Obviously you're training your children in the home for when they go out, you know, will they be able to stand up against the world? You have to know the scriptures. They have to be deep within you imparted. And like you said, spiritual motherhood, there's always, um, there is always a way to be able to be an influence through others. And that's through scripture to be a, to be a, um, a role model. And that doesn't necessarily mean someone who is older to younger, it's a spiritually mature person. And so therefore, if you are reading the scripture, if they are, if it is deep within you, then the people that God brings into your life, you should both be, I mean, building each other up in the scriptures, they should be dwelling in you. And you should be imparting those to children that you have influence on, whether that's at church you're a Sunday school teacher, or you're, you know, at, um, you help in the nursery or, you know, you at your job with your coworker, you're constantly able to have the word dwell within you deeply because Christ has imparted it to you and you're being trained, you're training yourself by the word and it dwells deep within you. And the only way we can do that is by reading it to be able to then be a, influence on other people, a godly example on other people. And that's what his mother and um, grandmother were. And, and even, I mean, it talks about it in Acts 16.1. and we know that Paul even sees this, um, you know, he's, um, and so we know that they're, they were the ones that were the primary. And then Paul comes along and Paul gets to build on what these two women have done and, um, established in Timothy. That's why he says it's in you too. And so I think that's a really big, um, reminder to us that as we're faithful to the Lord, we have proof in scripture that he does change children through the generations of faithful believers. Now we are not guaranteed that it's our child. It is a work of the Lord. We know that, but doesn't that just encourage you to know that God changes? children through the gener- through their parents. Like that's a prime example of it. Through the Old Testament, Timothy was changed by the scriptures through his grandmother and Eunice and his mother. And so um, I think that's just a reminder to us to keep reading the word, keep pouring scripture into our lives so that we can be that influence for our children and prayerfully pray that, that it will take root and it will settle and it'll fall on good soil and the Lord will water it. And our children will be faithful to then raise their children. Like, you know, it's passed down to generations. So that's important ladies. Just remember when you're tired, you know, like Aaron said, these young moms that are up night after night and, um, to be faithful, to remember that the word is deep planted within you. You have a sincere faith and live that out for your children, because God can use that to bring them to faith, your faithfulness, um, in having sincere faith and in training them in the ways that they're you're called you're called to be. So he's entrusted our soul, their souls to us. He will choose to redeem them or not, but they are ours to take care of. And he's given us, who were um, our children to to raise. And those don't necessarily have to be your children. They can be children that you have an influence on out somewhere. So it's not always for moms or um, grandmothers. It's for an influence as a believer, as a Christian woman to be able to um, influence children with the word of God. And it takes diligence, sacrifice, hard work, and it's a faithful pattern of obedience. And it's not for the faint of heart, but we see, that there are fruits of your labor passed down to future generations like Timothy had his mother and grandmother. They were an example of authentic and genuine faith. And that was passed down to him. So,
0: yeah. And, uh, the, the job of a mother is a very ordinary job. You know, some of the jobs we do around the home are, are so repetitive and we do them like three times a day, Um, But when we do them for the glory of God, there is so much joy in that. And one of the things I see is like young women really attempting to leave their homes. Like they want to teach ministries and they want to do all of this and um, kind of make a name for themselves. But, you know, they do that at the cost of their children. And, um, you know, James kind of, he knows that I can manage my time. So if somebody asks me to do something. Um, like a ministry or a podcast or a conference or whatever. Um, he will never say, no, I don't think you, you should do that. But I was just feeling really kind of overwhelmed at everything that was happening. Uh, and just thinking like, there is so much going on. And, and I just said to him, honey, you know, Caleb is 12 years old. You know, he, I still have so much mothering of him to do. And I said, I think I'm just going to put uh, a stop on the people asking me to do conferences where I have to travel and be away from the home and just said like, like, what, what would you prefer? And he's like, well, I prefer you to be home. And I was like, okay, good, that's good. Cause that's where I prefer to be too. It's like, there's not You know, as being someone who's done conferences, there's not all of this like glory in it, you know, if it's at the cost of your children. And so like my babies are my priority. My husband is my priority. And if I'm not here to help serve him and he's suffering and whatever he's doing on a daily basis, how is he going to be able to pour into the local church? And so my biggest job is to serve my husband so that the local church is at the best place that she can be. So I'm serving God. I'm serving his people in that way. But I have an almost 19 year old. He's turning 19 at the end of the month. And I can tell you, moms, your time with your babies goes so fast, right? Like he is working full time. I see him in the mornings when we do our devotions and we pray together. And then I see him kind of at, in the evening time when he comes home and it's a little bit later and I'm, I'm in early bed. <laughs> Kind of person. Um, so you know that time, and, and he's probably gonna get married within the next five years, you know, so just just savor that time, love that time. Because once it's gone, you can't ever get that time back. And you will never look back on your time with your children and go, oh, I should have pursued the conference circuit or I I should have been this huge Instagram influencer. You, I I can almost guarantee you will not look back. If you are faithfully serving the Lord, you will not look back on that time and and regret it. Um, So just being faithful with that. And then another thing that I constantly get is from older women who, you know, they, they were likely saved, um, but they were in really weak churches and their kids have walked away from the Lord and they're just carrying around this massive guilt burden, um, because their children have walked away from the Lord. And I have to just gently remind them that, Hey, you know, you could have lived a perfect life and been the perfect mother and your children would still walk away. We have that example in Adam and Eve. They lived in perfection, uh, like untested innocence. Right. Um, and they fell, they sinned and, and launched the entire human race into sin as well. And so our job as a mom is, is to, you know, keep throwing those logs on the fire and, and pray that the Holy spirit would ignite that fire. But if you're a mom that, you know, you have just come to solid theology and you are realizing you blew it your whole life with your kids, confess your sin before God, confess your ignorance, whatever it is, um, that you did that you believe was sinful against the Lord, um, confess that he will forgive you. He is sovereign and you can continue to walk in faithfulness being a light to your older children, praying faithfully for your children, um, and and just know that God is sovereign. He, this is Plan A, not Plan B, uh, for you and for your kids. And to just really embrace that um, He forgives you, and that you can you can live in that forgiveness and and be free of the sin that you committed in in their early years and later years, and and now be a faithful servant to him the rest of your days.
1: And he's going to give you more opportunities. You know, you are a believer in Christ and so there is no limit to the amount of time and people that we run into that need the hope of the gospel. And so take that faith and also use it to be an impact in other children's lives in ways and, and other people's lives and serve God faithfully in that way. And like Aaron said, you know, you confess your sin, it's forgiven. You need to rejoice in the goodness of the Lord and his mercy. He's a merciful God and just be spurred on to be an encouragement with the opportunities and the people he puts in your path. Um, and, and, and not to beat yourself up, you know, you're, you're forgiven. It was nailed to the cross. And that's every day when we blow it as moms, you know, confess, repent, you know, and, and that's it. And we move on. And, my daughter just turned 12. Claire just turned 12 and um, 12 was hard. I will. 12 was hard. And I wrote a post and I wrote this to the moms out there. I wrote, you know, your first is their first is always your last, their last. They cannot do the first again. And it be the first time, you know, the first time that she was tall enough to stand without the stool to brush her teeth, you know, the first time she prayed at night, the first time, you know, I took her to Sunday school and she walked in, you know, without being afraid the first time that they let go of your hand, you know, those kind of things. And in public, which mine hasn't, I'm so thankful yet, but it's going to come, you know? And, um, so we, we have every, we have so much time that we really, to be able to impact them. And you don't want things that steal your joy and steal your time from them. And, you know, with Aaron and I doing the podcast and why we did open hearts when I established open hearts was so that these ladies that teach would not be pulled away to go to a conference live, that it's video that they can do it and they're done. And I think that's one of the beauties of it because they're pastor's wives, you know, they're they're you know, Shelby teaches at the seminary, you know, so many are um, using the gifts the Lord's given them and they have children. And I did not want to, take away from their time and from their ministries and so everything we do is from home this podcast is from home you know when we do the book club i read from home it's on my time and so we just want to encourage you find ways to be and of and obviously the local church like Aaron said like that should be where you're pouring into and serving And being an example to other ladies and to other children and to your children at home and obviously your husband serving him. And so, you know, I love what Aaron said, you know, about we need to make sure that we are guarding our priorities and our time because the most important job we have is a mother, is those of us that have children. And the most important job we can do in the house as a mother is to serve our children and our husband. And as believers, those of you that are single. You are still called to glorify the Lord and to share the gospel. And you can be that influence in others' lives. And so your responsibility is to be a godly woman before Christ and to live out your life of singleness in and beauty and, and in the glory of the gospel to him. And you can still do that without being a mother. Um, and so we just want to encourage you ladies out there to make sure that the time that you're using is to be a pot is to be an impact on your family for Christ and for your children for Christ, because that's what you're going to remember. Um, are those moments you're not going to remember if someone put a heart by your post, you're not going to remember if, um, you know, the, the conference that you went to was a success and that those things are not important. Um, serving and loving Christ within the local body and in your family is the most important. And, um, and that's why we're called to, to be like a Lois and a Eunice and to, to have those scriptures deep within us, to be mindful of the sincere faith. So Erin, um, I think that is um, everything I wanted to say just about those verses. Um, is there anything else you want to add or do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah, I would just note, um, I think just to put
0: on with women who have struggled uh, in their life not being faithful and raising their children and other children have walked away. And I think what they struggle with is the consequence of their sin, but the consequence of your sin is not put there to condemn you of your sin. We know from Romans eight, that all of those, uh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, but your consequences are there to train you to, to not make you look, go back and go, Oh, I'm condemned and all this guilt. No, 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 no. It's put there. So you will look to Christ and live and have freedom. And so I have sin in my life that I don't have sin in my life. I've sin in my past. <laughs> why do I have sin in my life? I'm a sinner. <laughs> I don't have purposeful sin that I'm pursuing. I don't even know why I'm saying this, uh, the sin in my past. I am still living the consequences of that. And for the last, for the first little while I would let, I would condemn myself over that. And then I started to realize, no, 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 these consequences are here to remind me First of all, how much God has forgiven me in Christ, how awful my sin was, but now I can look and rejoice. I don't have to look back and be condemned over it. And so your consequences are there for you because they're sanctifying you. When those come in, when the consequences of my past sin come in and I have to deal with that, that's very sanctifying. It's very, it's humbling. uh, It's sanctifying, but it always points me to the gospel and just how thankful I am that the Lord would ever forgive me. And that I can just have full and free confidence um, that he's going to deal with my children and that um, I can leave that to him and then be a vessel of truth. But that's what I think a lot of women struggle with is the consequence of their sin. And instead of using the consequences, um, to, to their benefit, they allow it to crush them and condemn them and they carry this guilt and burden, um, which that's the Lord's to carry. That's not yours to carry. If you are, if you have been, um, bought by his blood and have been given a new heart through the gospel and have turned from your sin and repented. And, um, so yeah, that's what, that would probably be the final word on that.
1: It just reminds us that He's merciful and that He forgives, and that those things have been washed as far as the east is from the west. And so, when we look back, we still fall on the mercy of God. That Lord, if I blow it every single day when I come to You, You are faithful, and even when I am faith not when I'm faithless, You are faithful, and that ultimately is my I have salvation in Christ and above all that was given to me as a gift from you and you have redeemed me it's nothing i can do to earn it and so when you forgive me it's done and that's your mercy that i can look and know that i'm forgiven and that there's nothing that is holding me with the wrath of god abiding on me i have salvation i have eternity And that will that will see me to heaven. And that is a beautiful thing. And sometimes when we look back at our past sins, it is such a point like Aaron said of the gospel to remind me you forgave me of this. You love me so much that you died for this sin, not this sin where I just rolled my eyes at someone, but for this sin that I have been struggling with. You have forgiven me of that. And I want to glorify you. In the way, and I want to put off sin and put on righteousness. And so I can live because you've set me free from sin. And I'm going to go to heaven because I have salvation in Christ. And that's just such a beautiful reminder that when we sin, it's forgiven, it's done, it's nailed, it's over. It doesn't matter how egregious it is. If you have truly repented of your sin, Christ does not see it. He sees us as righteousness and on like his son. And so um, that's such a great reminder. So ladies, just keep pressing on, keep pressing on with sincere faith, clear conscience, um, training your children, raising them up through the scriptures, um, being faithful to stand and be a good sister to other sisters by encouraging them, being thankful for them, mindful of who they are in Christ, loving them like Paul reminds us, and um, not being ashamed of the gospel. even in the midst of severe circumstances and sufferings and trials and pain, Paul is faithful, Timothy is faithful and you know Aaron and James have been faithful to show us that example and it has sparked hearts and fan flames for Christ. And so we are praying for each of you to continue on to be faithful to hold the line like we're seeing so many Christians do. And um, and in this time, and to not fall away, that's that sincere faith, love without hypocrisy, right? We're not playing the part. We're living out our truths before a unbelieving generation, an unbelieving world. We're called to be that light for the gospel. And to do that, we have to exhibit what Paul talks about in those verses. So Erin, do you wanna close us? Yeah.
0: Okay, let me pray. Um, Father, how sweet that we can come to you and that you have given us knowledge of you because we have been redeemed by your son and your spirit opens our eyes and our hearts to understand wonderful things from your law about who you are. And we're so thankful that we can come to you and thank you that we serve you and Lord willing, we're serving you with a clear conscience Father, I just pray for any of these women whose warning system is going off, that they will turn to you and will, um, be covered by the blood that was shed on Calvary, whether that's under salvation. We know that, um you have given us a conscience that that, uh, Romans 1 tells us that knowledge of you, it's in our conscience. And so if there's any women who are watching this, who do not know you and their conscience is stung by sin against you, I pray that they would turn to Christ and that they would live, that they would confess their sin and that they would repent and believe the gospel and that they would be free from the life of sinful pleasure and, and pursuing a life of Um, selfishness and and would give up war with you and would be at peace with you through your son but any women that are just struggling with sin unconfessed sin in their life lord that your spirit would convict them that they would be free um, to confess that and and just the freedom that we have uh to to live in what christ has done for us and so help us to listen to our warning systems, help us to train our minds by being renewed by your word, like Romans 12:1 says, and that we would um, be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that we would have sensitive and clear consciences at all times that we would fear not having a clear conscience, that we would fear violating our conscience and that we would fear violating other people's consciences because we fear you. And so I just pray that you would help us, that um, we would have integrity, that that sincere faith in our life would be so clearly seen by those around us, not for our own glory, but for the glory of Christ. That is why we do everything is for his glory so that he will be known in the nations through our life. And so Lord, I just pray each for each of the women here that are moms, Um, that you would show them the glory of motherhood that you have given to us and loving our husbands and loving our children and being sensible, pure, kind workers at home uh, who are subject to our own husbands so that the word of God is not blasphemed, as Titus 2 tells us, Um, that we would be faithful to that task, that there wouldn't be any discontentment in our hearts, um, but we would see just what um, obedience looks like as a mother and Pouring ourselves out in service to our husbands and our children and teaching them the word and being faithful in prayer like Paul was and Lord if we are women who do not have husbands and children that we would live first Corinthians seven and that you have given these women such a special opportunity to be able to serve your body unhindered. Um, and that they would be faithful to serve the mothers and the children of their local bodies, and that they would um, not have a sinful longing in their heart. We know that longing to be married and have children is a good thing, but it can so easily turn into a sinfulness. So I pray for contentment for those women, that they would just love the season that they're in as they wait on you, if that is your will, to give them a husband and to give them children. Um, If it is not your will, that they would um, be content and would not um, be dwelling on things they should not be dwelling on that could cause them to sin against you, Lord. Thank you for this time, for the preciousness of your word. Help us until we come together again to study the next couple verses that we would fill ourselves with your word, um, that we would walk by the spirit and that we would be faithful to speak the truth and to speak the gospel. When you give us opportunity, may you be glorified in everything we do in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: And ladies, you can reach out to us. I'll list um, in the description the links of Erin's um, Instagram, and you can message her. You can message me um, if you have any questions, you need prayer, um, you want to talk about some things. I know Erin would be happy to walk um to walk with you through the scriptures on um giving you counsel and encouragement and just know we're praying for all of you. We receive many um messages and we just want you to know we're praying for you and for Canada and for pastors to be faithful and so just keep remaining and standing strong and we will see you next month. It is only once a month because Aaron and I are trying to guard our time but we do cherish being able to see each other. We long to see each other face to face but this is our way to be able to encourage you as well. Um, so just reach out if you need anything and we will see you next month.
0: Yes. And for me, um, for Instagram, I don't check my others box cause that is just, I will spend my life checking my, my others inbox. So if you have messaged me, either leave a comment or even email, um, Brooke at open hearts. She'll send me emails if they're to me. Um, or you can even email me at womenofgrace of grace at gracelife.ca. Um, and I will get that message too. So if I'm not answering you on Instagram, that's why I haven't seen your
1: message. <laughs> really good to know. Cause I know a lot of ladies want to contact you so, um, you can listen back to how you can get in touch with Erin. but yes, you can message me and I will get it to her. Um, We text pretty frequently. One day, Lord willing, we'll be able to meet. I pray on this side of heaven. But if not, um, you know, we pray that you're building friendships like Aaron and I are from even across the world. That's what being knit in the fabric of the gospel does. And it brings a sisterhood and a love. And so we're praying that continue to be that for each other and to continue to be that for the gospel and for Christ. All right. We love you guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye.